Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me today is our very esteemed guest, Mr. HR himself, Gregory Henderson. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. That was interesting. That's going to be your new. <laughs> it's going to be your new tagline, Mr. HR. We put that on some business cards. Start handing them out. Someone called me HR Guru the last time I did a podcast. Oh, really? That's nice. You're a guru. I like that. Yeah. I could I could get behind that. You could be HR guru. Cool. How do you feel? This is not what we're talking about today, but how do you feel about there's a movement, I think, that started a few years ago where people are coming up with unconventional job titles to where instead of being, I don't know, customer support representative, I'm going to be the HR guru. How do you feel about those things? So for HR purposes, I kind of like it because I don't, I think HR has a bad connotation period when you talk, <laughs> when you talk about HR. It's like, I, t I tell people HR is normally for the really, really good people, the really, really bad people, right? If right in the middle and eh, I don't need HR. Yeah. So the last three to five years to your point, they've actually changed HR to people. So you're, you're the head people officer. You're the assistant people officer. That way you don't get the, you don't get the bad right. rap of, all right, here comes HR. No, now it's just, oh, here comes the people officer. <laughs> right. And so if you, if you, I'm, I guess the new, I guess maybe not new, but the newer uh, term is, is a business partner, human resource business parts partner. So it's HRBP. Really? I haven't heard that one before. Business partner, huh? I kind of like that. Yeah. That's interesting. All right, let's jump into things. We got we, here's how we're gonna roll today. Uh, we have our very own HR business partner on the podcast today. Um, everybody at some point in their organizational life has to help their employees move to the next step. That next step sometimes is a promotion. Sometimes that next step is retirement. Sometimes that next step is hoping that they go work somewhere else. And then a lot of times that next step is helping them go work somebody somewhere else. And today we're going to, we're going to talk through the process, not process, the steps by which um, we believe is the best way to help employees go find another place to work. This is a question that I know that Greg gets oftentimes is how do I fire somebody or, or how do I know it's time to fire somebody? How can I help them see that they need to be fired? All those types of things. So since he's up here and spending some time with us today, I feel like it'd be a good idea to get into some of those things and hopefully answer some of the questions before they come up in your organization. Because I do know that everybody that listens to this podcast runs perfectly well-tuned organizations that never have these problems. They do now. They do now because they Since, listen to yeah, the One Step right. Better podcast, right? Um, because of all of our expert knowledge that comes out. And so uh, we're going to spend some time with Greg answering those questions. But before we do that, we always have to start with the fun questions so you guys can get to know us a little bit better. And, so the question of the day is going to be, Gregory, if you could go on a vacation to anywhere in the world next week, where would you go? Ireland. That was a quick answer. Are you Irish? Scots. Scots Irish. Yeah? Yeah. Scots Irish. Yeah. You don't have an accent. I feel like you do should. Not. No. But do you remember, um, this is probably weird, do you remember the other Henderson that we talked with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. That really got me into it, right? So I started researching a lot more, and I wanted—I really want to go there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So anywhere in particular, or just in general? Just in general, yeah. I'm, I haven't researched it that, that much because I don't have plane tickets in high, in you know, in my hand. But um, I think just being in the country 
in general. I kind of would figure it out, you know, kind of going off, oh, well, my clans were from here. Let's go there. Look at that castle or whatnot. Yeah. Are you a fan of history? Super big fan of history, yeah. yeah. So that's all kind of intriguing. Oh, yeah, 100%. What about you? Ugh. My answer is always the same. I want to go to a beach. Pick a beach anywhere that's a nice beach. That's where I want to be. I love the beach. I want to go to the beach every time I can. So every the chance water I get. is not really important. It's the beach. It's the it's the whole atmosphere of being at the beach. Um, the water is. You have a two and a half year old. Correct. We spend. Well, time out. Time out. I guess we need some clarifications here. Are we taking kids or not taking kids? <laughs> that matters so greatly. So great. I hate the beach because I have kids. Yes. Yes. I, so that's fair. Um, with the, if I, if we were going with the kids, it would, I would still be okay going to the beach, but it would probably be a different type of beach than if it was just me or, uh, and Meredith going. Um, but I do, you know, to a, a trip to the beach with kids, especially when, I mean, like you mentioned, two and a half year olds are youngest. Uh, that's a that's a job. That's not a vacation. Right. Stop eating the sand. Stop eating the sand. That's all you do. Now, that part's not a, so, with a two and a half year old. My I freak out with my kids around water, uh, and so or at least the ocean. We have a pool at home, and I don't really freak out there. But um, like at the ocean, and so it's constantly like, all right, you're getting a little bit too far. Let me go pull you back. That I get that. Yeah, it's just getting my head. About it's really that stuff. cool once you have older kids. You can kind of not worry about that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in Cameron and Landon are to that point now where you don't really worry too much about them. Hudson and Emma are still a little bit smaller. Yeah. And then you've been there. It's, you, you know, you spend two to three hours putting everything together, putting the cart in the van and then driving or walking to the beach, depending on where you are. And then the kids are spending about 30 minutes and then they want to go to the pool. Yes. So it's like, <laughs> uh, oh, Oh Let's man, this is rethink my life. Decision. This hits too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> it's too close to home. Yes. We do the let's load everything up, get to the beach, and hey, let's go to the pool. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. And that's where you just have to put on your parental hat and say, No kids, we're here. We're gonna stay here and you're gonna like that's it. That's right. Now that's right. Sit the, down and shut up and go play in the water. The other hundred families that you know, would when my kids are screaming at it, you know, it's a different story. So yeah, so different beach depending on if I have kids or not, but still probably the beach. Still probably the beach. Have you been to the West Coast? Um, not on like vacate, no. Okay, so you no. haven't been to that water and no. that beach. Okay. No, when we go to the beach, it's typically Florida Panhandle. Uh, best beaches in the world. White sands. Yeah, beautiful. Love it. Um, I have been to a lot of East Coast beaches, or at least a handful of East Coast beaches. A lot of seaweed. And it's just, not, it's just not the same. Yeah. You can't beat the Florida paint handle in my can. Uh been to Galveston multiple times. That's barely a beach. I don't even know if I'd call it a beach. Um, and so it, it smells of it's, salt air. It's different. <laughs> so it's just all it's all different. So anyway, enough about us. Um, I do want to take a vacation now, so maybe we can get that going. Um, everybody at some point in their, like I mentioned, at some point in their organizational life has to deal with helping employees find other places to work. And there are right ways to do that. And there's wrong ways to do that. And there's some in-between ways to do that. We want to help equip you to make sure that the process by which you're helping your, your employees exit your organization is going to be the best that it possibly can be. Keep in mind, this is always an awkward time uh, for most leaders, but it's an even more awkward time for the person that's on the other end of the table. And so this is a spot where I feel like you have to just kind of go in strong, 
somewhat matter of factly and, and let's address the problem. But before we get to that point where we're sitting down having a meeting where I'm saying, Hey Becky, this is your last day working here. You're, you're terminated. There should be some things that we're looking at before that point. So in your experience working with small business leaders and, and HR people or second hat HR people, what are you generally trying to coach them to become in that process of, I'll say, professional development, getting your employees to the point where they're high performers? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of people, when they call and say, hey, I've got this situation with this employee, it's not working out, you know, what's my next step? And I always bring it back to them because I'm trying to, uh, my best is to try to coach them in the idea that firing is not a gap filler of your poor leadership. And the reason why I say it like that is because the more times or not when we get down into why they're being fired, it's bad leadership because they were not clear on what they expected them to do. Or if they were clear, then they didn't give them proper training to ensure that they retain the knowledge that they want them to do in order to be the ideal employee, you know, you've done what you needed to do, what winning is in this particular role. If you haven't done that, if you haven't started with that, then it's difficult. And the more times or not, when I ask, hey, what training are they going through during their orientation or their onboarding or whatever you want to call it? And what milestones did you put in place that says, hey, you must hit these or we would like for you to hit these before your last day of training? What's that? What's that answer? And a lot of people are, well, we don't have that. And how do you know if they're trained if you don't have that? And so that's, that's the first question that I always go back to is, okay, show me where they were trained on this particular whatever, and that's the reason why you're finding them right now. And your goal with that is to point out, hey, you have an underlying is- issue here that if this isn't resolved, we're going to constantly be having this conversation of, Hey, we have an issue. We have an issue. We have an issue. So let's go back and fix kind of that underlining, whatever that issue may be, so that we don't always result in in termination. Yeah, and that's a hard part for small business because it's so easy to, I need somebody to do this job, and I needed them yesterday, and I have this person that I think could work out or may work out, and I just need him to go own that job and figure it out and and, and make it happen. Right. Instead of let's try to. It's, ease them up into that process. I, I mean, know we've struggled with it's that. It's small business. Just It's plug and play. It's not a difficult job. Go do it. I mean, I get, the, I get the sentiment. I get the mentality behind it. But I don't get the consistent process. And so, again, if you don't have a process in place that you can objectively say this person was trained in this particular area, then it's going to keep happening over and over and over again. And then you're going to blame the employees when you should be blaming yourself. Yeah. And that's uh that's a tough place to get to. So you think so how how I mean how long how much time should we spend training our employees to the point where we can have true expectations of them? Right. Proficiency. There's no calendar, there's no clock. You train to the standard. Whatever that winning is, that's when you stop training. How how different is that going to look for each job that I have? It, it's going to look different for each job, each industry, each, you know, company in that whole industry. I mean, it it has to be tailored to that particular position that you're training for. It has to be. If not, then it's just kind of 
laissez-faire and laissez-faire is in a leadership style, but it's literally lazy. <laughs> you don't have a plan, so you just kind of figure it out. Well, that's, that's not good. The employees are looking for a committed workplace. How are you showing them that, that you are committed to them? You give them all the tools and the tips and the tricks of the trade to make them successful in the position that you hire them to do. So I should have some clear expectations in the, on the front end. This is what I expect out of this position. Do you get into the weeds whenever you're coaching up your clients? Do you get into the weeds of this is what those expectations are for, I'll say this specific time. What I mean by that is, let's say that you're a new hire and these are the expectations for the job when you're fully ramped up, which may be three months, six months, when, whenever it is. How much detail do you get into with those expectations during that ramp up period? Yeah. So depending on the client. And so, uh, you know, we're big on scope. And so this particular scope is more reactionary. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And a different scope, it's more strategic and proactionary. And if we've, we've already gone through your KR development piece, then we've already understand that piece. And so I can talk more intelligently about that particular role because I see their KRAs and I see the milestones that they're trying to hit. The ones that haven't gone through that KRA, I don't go into the details that much other than the fact of, hey, what's the outcome? What's the, what's the outcome for this position? Again, what winning looks like is a big thing that I say all the time when we talk about performance and is it working in this for this employee. And so once you, I don't know, just clear up that, um, then you can kind of backwards plan during your training piece to figure out what they need to hit during the time. So at the end, you know, they've, they've accomplished what you need. Them so to you do. should have different expectations for those new hires. And in that ramp up period, those need to be just as clearly communicated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it has to be. I mean, and again, it's so communicated and so clear that the end of the training period, I want feedback from the new hire to ask him, hey, did everything that you were trained on, did it get hit? Because how can we develop ourselves unless we ask for feedback from the person who's gone through it? So- it's, it's interesting because essentially what you're saying is that when we get to the point of, hey, you know what, you're not meeting expectations, that shouldn't be a surprise to either the employee or the employer. So leading to that point where you, you do have, all right, there's Becky clearly has, she's expected to produce 10 widgets a day, just to use a very easy example. And she is producing seven widgets a day, six widgets, whatever it is. What what does it look like to try to coach her up and, and develop her to the point where you avoid that moment where it is, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't the best place for you? I think it's that ramp up period that you were talking about. So a brand new employee, I don't expect them to be hitting 10 widgets 90 days in. I expect them to maybe, again, you know, maybe your fully ramped up period, we'll just pick a number. At 12 months on ground, you know, a seasoned widget maker is making 10. Cool. All right. So theoretically, six months in, you should be making five. If that's very, again, very basic, very pedestrian kind of way of, of looking at it, but that's what you should do is just throw some stuff on the wall to make sure operationally, does this make sense? And if operationally it does, then you apply it to your KRA. You apply it to the onboarding and your training. Hey, at 90 days, again, 90 days, maybe you're making three. And if you consistently make three for, for that particular month, then we have no conversations because you're going to be glide path on that six-month mark to make five. 
And then if you make six, or if you make five at the six month mark, then we understand glide path wise, you're probably going to hit a seasoned employee at the 12 month mark. What is glide path? There's a piece of where you, sh uh, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, an, uh, an, uh, like an upward trajectory arrow, right? Like a trend. Or, or like a uh, climbing the stairs, like a trend, right? So, so it's just an on glide path. We you're just saying that you're on pace to hit your numbers. to hit the number. Where does that word come from? Is that a military that's a, thing? That's a military term. <laughs> glide Sorry. path. I didn't know it was a military term We're until glide just passing. right now. <laughs> I, it, it, it may not be. This may just be that I don't know words. So I'm not willing to say that it's a military term. It's just something I don't, I've, I've never heard that presented that way. But, but, but you get it, right? We're, sure. we're on the same path that's going to lead us to be successful. And so on glide path, it's just, hey, it's... We're moving the right way. We're moving the right way. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's easy to look at performance type metrics for stuff like that. But a lot of times we don't necessarily terminate somebody or end a relationship because of a lack of performance. There's always other things that, that come into mind. Um, and so whenever you have, whether it's a new hire or seasoned employee that may be hitting their numbers, but there's maybe some type of character issue along the way. And I'm not talking about egregious, like they went and started a fight in the cafeteria. Right. Um, but, you know, it may be they're consistently late to work or, um, you know, they are, maybe they're drinking on the job, you know, whatever it may be. That's egregious, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that as soon as I said that. I was like, yeah, that's fine. falls to another category. <laughs> I said drinking, not drunk on the job, that's right? right? Yeah. Um, they're not being belligerent. Right, right, They're just right, a right. little bit they're loose. just happy. I mean, who doesn't want happy employees? Right. This is great. Um, but, and whenever it comes time for those more, I'll say character issue type conversations to happen, how quickly do you address those and how do you clearly lay out expectations when it, when it's related to something that's not as objective and measurable? Yes. It's attitude. Right. Would you, would you break it down into attitude? Sometimes um, it could be attitude. I think of attitude as, you know, maybe they're happy to work here. They're, they're upbeat or they're, you know, encouraging or, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe it's not always attitude. Maybe they're, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I'm just overthinking that. I just know that like sometimes, let's just give you an example here. Um, what did Becky do wrong this week? Becky was, I don't know. We talked about gossip in, a, in an earlier episode. And so maybe she was gossiping to somebody and we need to talk about that. Um, I think of it more as character. There's a, there's a character misalignment between what I value and clearly what she values in that scenario, maybe that is related to attitude, but I feel like that there's a broader category than just the attitude. Maybe that's just splitting hairs though. So here's my, here's kind of the background behind that. I always find it a lot more difficult because I'm a analytical numbers driven person. Whenever Becky's supposed to be producing 10 and she's producing six, I can say, hey, Becky, here's a report that says that you produce six and it's supposed to be 10. We can agree that this is not right. At, you know, right? Like that's, there's a very objective target that was missed. If it is something like, well, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to talk about that or I wasn't really trying to be mean or if it's more character driven, those are, you can't point to a graph or a chart or some spreadsheet somewhere how quickly do you address those things whenever it's not as hard, fast, this is 
this is where you messed up. I think you have to be very fast. Again, we're going to, you know, play devil's advocate and say that we've defined what character, you know, traits they're lacking or what bad attitude, I don't know, whatever they, they have that, you know, kind of shows its ugly head during a meeting or during a, a client conversation. Let's say we have identified that. You have got to be fast. You've got to be really quick to kind of come come straight in and say, listen, this is this is not you. This is the behavior that that you're you're exemplifying. This is not okay. This this is not okay. So it's not the person that we're saying, right? It's it's, it's not the we're not downing the person. We're downing their their behavior. And behavior again could be bad attitude. Could be sure. Asking stupid questions during a meeting to to make you know the client waste time, whatever it is, right? It's 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 something that you value again. The core values, what we're about, the attributes. If we see someone who is not even misaligned but opposite, then I've got we've got to be quick. We've got to to come in there and say, no, no, that's not okay. Here's your here's I don't I don't even care about warning and 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 all that. No, this is not okay. It's got to be quick. It's got to be, because if, if you don't, then maybe, maybe they'll take that a step further. And now instead of it's a bad attitude, now they're talking. And, and part of that gossiping is, is, is it's toxic because once you have a, a, maybe it started with a bad character or, or something, but then it morphed into now it's, now they're talking bad about the company. And you could have stopped it at that one little bit. So again, I, I think it's I think we have to be very careful if we identify something that's anti-values, anti-company stuff that we're about, right? Everyone's got a story. If you have somebody who's talking about your story and messing it up, you want to stop that as soon as you can because no, 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 that's that's not our story. That's not who we're about. Stop talking. You gotta clear that up. Do you address those issues in the same way that if it was a clear, I'll say performance metric type of issue? I would say it's probably, I would address those faster than I would a performance. Just because you're trying to cut that off as quick as possible. Performance leads to bad performance. A bad attitude, a cancerous, toxic environment. Nah, it's totally different. So how do you communicate those expectations in a way that is all-encompassing yet specific enough? To, you know, so for example, there's, you know, in our organization, we would expect that you are pleasant and encouraging and happy and you know, not hot-headed you know, going off in front of our customers, right? We, we'd have that expectation. But that's not clearly part of any unwritten rule one of our values right. necessarily it, you can you can make an argument to put them into different places but it's like we don't have like all right be friendly as a company value or it's not ever really communicated that's kind of just an unknown expectation do i need to go that extra mile to have that written down and communicated somewhere or is it okay to have some of these things that look we have some very clear ex because I think every organization has clear expectations that maybe not be written down. And where do I draw the line between all right? I need to put this on paper. Maybe it's in my handbook, or maybe it's a you know whatever it is, versus 
hey, this is just the common sense. We're going to be nice to the people we serve. So I think there's a couple of, it's a two-pronged or maybe it's a multiple-pronged attack. Um, again, I apologize for that. But, but I think it's something that we can easily say that we have to attack it, right? Because we want to kill it. We want to definitely, absolutely, absolutely kill the cancerous, toxic, whatever thing that, that's going to grow and, and, and destroy our organization. And so to, to attack it, we always have to always, always, always be communicating our message the right way, our story the right way to our employees, always, right? And it, it could be in a, in a monthly thing, 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 right? Whatever, you know, your state of the union address is for the company every month, correct? You know, always start with the values, always, you know, give a little bit of antidote, you know, hey, this is, this is the story from the client that said this, this, and this, and we did this, and this, and this, right? Reinforce those great attributes, reinforce the story that you want to be told. And then you just live it out. I know that's, I know that's kind of churchy, right? So do as I say, you know, just, the, but it has to be because employees are watching everyone around them. They're watching how you treat your bad employees. They're also watching what the boss does behind closed doors, in front of people. And so again, you, you have a two-pronged attack. You give a great foundation. Hey, this is what we're all, we're always talking about. We're always communicating it. This is our story. This is what we're about. Be part of this and then live it out, and then show your employees, hey, we really do care. It's not just words on a sheet of paper. It's actually, uh, you know, it's the idea of the spirit of the law or the letter of the law, right? It goes into more than just words on a paper. You actually live it out. You actually become that company that's high trust and high commitment. Do you find that if, if those things go unchecked over time, you really lose the culture that you're trying to build there? Because you have no, it, it's inevitable at that point. Yeah. Right. So if you let something fester and it's a bad thing, it's going to spread. It's going to spread. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always find that it's not difficult to do, but sometimes I feel like I beat my head against the wall of saying, all right, now we talked about this before and it's an issue again. You're being a jack wagon or whatever it may be. At what point do you just finally say enough is enough? it's time for this person to find another place to work. I feel like that's a question you get often. <laughs> it is. How do I know when it's time to fire this employee? And it's great because I don't have to make that decision, <laughs> right? That's the great part about, about being an outside it consultant, is. right? It's, it's the really fun part because I don't have to bring the employee in and, and tell them the bad news, right? I don't like doing that. Um, but I always try to get the owners to understand that this is a business decision, right? Sometimes, you know, we hear people say, oh, it's not personal, it's business. That's true. Now, there are definitely situations where you can address it as Mike and Greg. Hey, you're not doing what we need you to do. We don't talk to people like this, right? The very beginning. But once you get to the point that you're talking about, hey, now it's Mr. Henderson and Mr. Sheep. And we're going to have a business conversation. And at this point, we are, are, we have documentation. And again, I'm the HR guy, right? So I'm supposed to say documentation. But why do we have documentation? Because it shows a pattern of misconduct. Because it's not an isolated incident. I've given you a chance to understand, hey, this is not what we need you to do. We give you a chance to figure out, are you willing to change your whatever? If you're not, then that's a different conversation. And so this different conversation is derived from all those past conversations, past documentation that shows that you're unwilling to be part of the team. 
And if you're unwilling to be part of the team, I got it. It's on paper. We're just going to help you figure that out somewhere else. Yeah. And so your your process by which you're going through and documenting things is not with the intention of I'm trying to build a case to fire you. It's with the intention of Coaching. I want to be clear that you and I are on the same page, that what is happening is not acceptable. It's not my, here's my fire binder. Now let me, here it is. Now you see everything. It's, this is a serious enough conversation to have, to put it down on paper so that both you and I are, are, are clear that this is an unacceptable behavior. That over time, you can use that in a terminating process, but that's not the intention of it. No. Yeah. I think that's important to, to, to recognize because you mentioned that, you know, HR sometimes gets a bad rap. And I think a lot of times it's because people feel like HR is the enemy of the people that's just trying to get everything, all the ducks in a row for termination. And that's not the case with what we're trying to prescribe. That's not how I lead. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. The um, How many times, or you know, when it comes to terminating employees, I, I hear this often on, on from my seat, is... I have somebody who, for whatever reason, performance, character, what, whatever reason, it's, I don't feel like it's, you know, they're going to work out. But, and this is always the fun part, that person is XYZ. And that XYZ could be, um, I, I need to fire this lady, but she's pregnant. I need to fire this person, but he has a different sexual orientation. I need to fire this person, but they're protected, 90 years old. Sure. And I'm worried that this is going to blow up in my face. How do you coach through those situations? So I start from the very beginning. I start with the idea of telling everyone that we do not live at an at-will state. Not my clients. That's a myth. And the reason why at-will is a myth, because if I get you to understand that that's okay, then I can fire you because you had purple on today. And if you have purple on today, then I can fire you because you were, this is your sexual orientation. And so that's a slippery slope that I don't want people to get into. And so I always tell people, listen, from the very beginning, you have to understand that if you're going to fire somebody, you're going to bring me documentation. I told you, I, I put it right back on, the onus is on them to prove to me that they should fire them. Not that they're asking for, hey, I, I want to fire this person. No, show me why you should. Show me why you should. What have you done? And so because of that, I don't really care what color their skin is. I don't care what sexual orientation they have. If they're not doing the J-O-B, they got to go. So you're always trying to build that case regardless of anything else so that you're consistent with the process by which we're going through. Has to be consistent because if it's consistent, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Bring it on. Take any lawyer in the world if your documentation shows that you fired that you were fired for an egregious misconduct, whatever that is, then the the, the, the case is solid. So I don't know if it, I would go the far as saying bring it on. Let's well, not I mean, try to bring it on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I, yeah. One I, of my I, job I is to keep my client out of jail yeah. and out of court, right? So yeah. <laughs> right. And, and at the same time, you always have to remember anybody can sue anybody for any reason. We're very litigious. Know, yeah. Yes. And, and so it's, it's our responsibility as the employer, as the leader to say, here's my case on why I'm terminating you. And it has nothing to do with anything other than you are not performing to adequate, adequate standards. Right. And now we just have to be clear in those standards, of course. Right. So yeah. again, if, if I fire Bob because he failed to show up twice and I don't fire Susan 
for the same thing, then our employees are looking at it going, well, what's the rules? What was Bob? Yeah. Did you not like Bob? Yeah. Then it becomes personal. It's no longer business. So you got to be consistent across the board. And the larger you, your organization becomes, the more clear those things have to be and how more clear that your leaders have to be trained up on how to, how to enforce those things. Think about it. The larger you get, yeah. the, the, the far away you are from the, the normal everyday entry employee. And so if you're way up here and you're pushing out policies and, hey, this is the behavior expectations, it's got so many levels that it's going to go down. You've got to be super com- just in- communicative and, and you've got to not only train your people, but you've got to train the leaders who are talking to the people. Yeah. But again, your story is up here. You're so far away removed from the entry employee. How do you do that? You make sure that your story is is told exactly how you want it to be told all the way down. Yeah, and that does. It comes with a level of precision and clarity that is uncommon in a lot of organizations because you do have to be very, very clear yep. with what those expectations are. I had a boss that would tell the leadership team something and then would go around to the motor pool that afternoon and talk to the junior soldiers and ask them what he told me to see who relayed it down all the way down to their very junior soldier. Yeah. And all of his leaders are like, man, that jack wagon keeps coming behind me. And, but it was something simple like, Hey, what's going on Friday? And it's on, it's a Monday. Hey, what's going on this Friday? And the soldiers didn't know it. Then he would bring that up to the meeting the next week. Hey, you're not communicating with your guys. Well, how do you know that? Because I talked to your guys. <laughs> no, you talked the wrong one. Right, he just didn't know. He wasn't in that meeting. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he showed up today. <laughs> I promise. He's brand He's new. He's a guy. new hire. New hire. Promise. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one last thing I'll say, and then and then we can kind of wrap things up. Um, you may know, so Henry Cloud wrote a book called Necessary Endings, and in that book, his one of the one of the principles that he uh, applies there is that essentially when you lose all hope that things are going to get better, it's time for it to end. And I think that's a principle that applies here when it when it when we talk about employees coming to the point of an exit plan, because our our responsibilities as leaders is to train and develop and coach them up and correct them when they're wrong and nudge them back into the path. But at some point, either the problem is too big for that model, or it's so frequent and recurring that we just decide that no more. Yeah. And how do you know when it's time to get get rid of somebody? Is when you lose the hope that it can get better. Or that you lose the willingness to continue the coaching for it to get better. Because if the leader says, Becky is the way Becky is, and there's nothing I can do about it, you're essentially admitting defeat. And at that point in time, Becky's got to go. Um, or that leader needs or to go. Or that leader needs to go. Uh, we, yeah. Which we can <laughs> we could have a whole other conversation, whole conversation about, about rehiring that. your leaders. But. <laughs> um, fire everybody and Sorry. start over again, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's a good principle uh, to, that applies here is when you when you do lose hope, all hope that things can get better or will get better, it's probably time to to find uh, an exit strategy for that particular person. And so hopefully that's been a helpful conversation for you guys out there that are running organizations that have to be involved in corrective action, disciplinary action, whatever you want to call it. If you need some help with this, Greg is uh, obviously he, he knows something about this a little bit. And so you can reach out to him. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you call Greg and ask him, use the code Mike said so, and Greg will help you free of charge. <laughs> That's going to be the new thing. We're going to develop some discount codes right here on the podcast. Sounds um, awesome. Use the discount code one step better <laughs> and uh, Greg will help you free of charge, right? 
Um, all right, we got a question from last week that we want to talk through a little bit, and I think this is a good one for you too, Greg. Um, so last time we talked about uh, you know training up people and developing skills and whatnot, and one of the questions is I have an employee that I see. This is interesting because I can actually think of somebody that asked this almost exact question about two weeks ago. But I have an employee that I see some leadership potential in, but doesn't yet have the skills to do the job. How can I train that person up? I'm going to give this the first shot. Skills? I think if you see potential in an employee, leadership potential, like he has true leadership skills, him or her, and just doesn't have the technical skills to do the job, man, how lovely is that a place to be? Because I can train skills oh, yeah. significantly easier than I can train leadership abilities. Both are teachable. Both are coachable. Both are, are trainable. Yes. Um, but I find skills to be a lot easier than, than leadership characteristics. Uh, and so that's a great place to be. I would say you start with the basics. This is how you do the job. This is the expectation of the job. Um, I always try to teach my team how to think, not what to think. I want them to, to have guardrails uh, any, in any situation that comes up, this is, this is the process I want you to go through to come to your conclusions, not this is exactly what I want you to do because I can't train on every potential scenario, but right. I can give you some principles on how to get there. And so I would say that's a good place to be um, and just start with the building blocks, the basics of what that job responsibility is. Make sure your expectations are clearly set. And then um, the, 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 the hard part of this answer is going to be spend time with the person developing it. So often we want to develop people with as little um, touch as possible. If you're trying to develop efficiencies and that's the only thing you care about in your training plan, then you have failed. Uh, Training to some degree is not efficient, but my goodness, it's so super effective. And that's where you have to, to fall on it. So spend some time with that person actually going through all the different scenarios and, and helping them understand the job. It just takes some time. I love that. I love the blacksmith apprentice um, leadership model with that, right? So do what I told you to do, do it this way and do it this way only until you get really good. Yeah. And then what happens, you move into a, you know, to your own shop where you start tweaking and, and tinkering with your own way of doing things. But first you figure out what the leader does and how he does it every single time. Then you can move on to your to your next step, right? So I tell people all the time, leaders get in trouble when they f- when they misunderstand what they want to do is above and beyond what their boss wants them to do. Yes. Right? So do what do what's right, do what your boss wants, and then do what you want. I, I think that's a really good. I, I think that's a really good step um, because I, I agree with you hundred percent. It is a lot of times people get so antsy about well. I, all right, now I'm going to find my way to do it. I want to find my way to do it. And every time it's like, no, you're not ready yet. And if you're out, if you're the person, if I could sit in front of the person that has the leadership potential, but not the skills, what I would encourage them is be a follower, be a listener, do everything you're told my exactly what, right exactly like I told you to do it. Because I promise you, whenever you're to the point where your leader, your person developing you thinks you can do some thinking on your own, you'll have that opportunity. But until then, you're not ready. That's right. As much as you feel like you're ready, as much as you're frustrated that you don't have those opportunities, you have to spend time stewing before you can go out on your own. Absolutely. And, and that, that just means you have to continue to do what's asked of you, what, uh, you know, to, to whom 
little is given, little is expected. To whom much is given, much is expected. This is how, how do you get more? Do the little stuff right, right and do it well all the time. So good. Uh, that's a good question. I like that question. All right. So that's going to wrap us up for today. Um, thank you guys for joining us uh, on this edition of the One Step Better podcast. If you have anything that you want us to talk about, feel free to send us an email at onestepbetter@patrickaccounting.com, and we'll be glad to, uh, to feature your questions or, or even sometimes your topics on, on what we're talking about. So thank you guys for taking time out of your day, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.